Hello, this is Graphic Policy Radio. This is your host, Ilana Levin. And this is the nerd podcast for the kind of feminist nerds who are pissed about the ongoing sexism of the Adventures franchise. And we're like, we'd like to see it do better by the women characters. Did it? Well, today's Black Widow Day, so we'll be talking about whether the new Black Widow movie did indeed do better by its women characters. And I have two amazing badass feminist guests with me tonight to talk about that. Joining me is someone who I've been a fan of their creative work for like thousands of years and um, have always been inspired by is Kat Green. Kat Green is the managing director and chief mechanic at Abortion Access Front. Before joining AAF, Kat worked as a producer, editor, and shooter for film and TV productions around the world. Somewhere along the way, she also designed databases, built a spaceship in her basement, and learned to drive a truck with air brakes. In her, quote, spare time, quote, she designs and fabricates dangerous art and collects obscure skills. Welcome to the show, Kat. Hey, how's it going? I know. I The bio, I was like, you also sort of sound like Black Widow from the bio, and it's not, not true. <laughs> I also feel like you left, like, the lights things on fire part, which I always think about when I think of Kat. I, I figure, I figure it designs and fabricates dangerous art covers a lot of ground, does, you know? It does. But the lighting That's on true. fire is a specific part that makes me excited, so I just wanted to make sure people understand that that was included. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, like right at the intersection of like big nerd action hero, IRL, light stuff on fire and works for reproductive justice is Kat Green. And then Kat was telling me all about her amazing coworker, Moji Alawode L. That's me. Moji is a recovered ad executive and current marketing manager at Abortion Access Front. She loves yoga, reading sci-fi by femme people and people of color, roller skates and talking really loudly about her abortion and everyone else's reproductive rights in public spaces. Moji is a graduate of Sarah Lawrence College, like me, and is currently having too much fun raising an adorable ass feminist in Harlem. I probably should have mentioned that before we started taping. (laughs) (laughs) Alone, which year? 2001. Oh, I'm a little bit older than you, 98. Oh, wow. But we were like there at the same time. Possibly. Yeah. I think there was yeah. a moment we were there at the we same were. time. We were. I started in 97. So you would have been like a senior when I was a freshman. I was off campus that whole year. So we missed each oh, other. But you were we definitely know, avoiding we know us. people. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, at that time, I was one of the people who would run up to anybody who looked like they might be reading comics or have any interest in comics and like corner them and then make them talk to me about comics. So had I known there was any sort of geek overlap, I might have been up in your business, which I guess brings me to sort of an introduction question I have for my guests. So, you know, listeners of the show are all coming at this from a ton of different perspectives. It's everyone from people who, you know, feminists who work for different feminist organizations, comic collector of all stripes. Um, I sort of want to give people a sense of where each of us are coming into watching the Black Widow movie from in terms of like where we are with fandom and the material. I would say for myself, I'm I've seen every single Marvel thing except for uh, like the second Thor movie that, you know, nobody really saw at the time. Um, You know, some of it I love, some of it I don't. I am a longtime Marvel Comics nerd going back to my junior high days. And I, I've really, like, I like, I love Marjorie Lou's, like, Black Widow comic. There have been some great Black, Black Widow comics in the day, but I'm not someone who will, like, just pick up a comic because Black Widow is on it. It, it. it matters to me who the creative team is, if that makes sense. 
Um, so that's sort of where I'm coming into it. Kat, like, where, where do you stand with the uh, Black Widow and Avengers and MCU and all that Michigas? Uh, well, I um, I've watched all the MCU stuff except for Falcon and Winter Soldier because I never need to watch another story about blowhard dudes again. Um, but <laughs> it was so bad. Uh, yeah, so I'm glad I, you made just, that choice. I just don't need to spend that time in my life anymore. So um, I, I'm a big fan of the movies. Well, you know, to varying degrees, some of them are a mess. Uh, I I did not read much of like the Avengers Black Widow comics when I was growing up. I was much more of a DC person. And then yeah. I kind of, you know, I was a teenager in the early 90s. So I kind of got shamed out of reading comic books because I wasn't hardcore enough. <laughs> um, I, came, I, I came back to it uh, in my 30s when I was hanging out with a bunch of comic book creators and trying to develop like uh, creator owned content into films. But um, so then I just read indie stuff, really. But, yeah, yeah, totally. So I, I'm a little bit all over the place, but I love comics and I love superheroes. And I was really excited for there to be another female driven MCU film. So mm-hmm. cool. What about you, Mochi? Um, uh, so I've seen all the films in the MCU, including Thor. Um, I will comfortably <laughs> and loudly proclaim that uh, Thor Ragnarok is one of my top favorite movies that exists in the world. Um, and Love I think it. the year it came out, it was like a hard fave. Um, I did, as you were talking, Kat, I remember I did read not a lot, but I think I read all of the foundational DC comics growing up. I actually had a book. It was like the origins of DC <laughs> comics. And it was like all basically all the majors, um, you know, Wonder Woman was the only woman, but uh, all the majors uh, and their kind of origin stories. But I was not much of a comic book reader. I think if there was one around, I would read it. But like, I'm, I kind of like read everything, um, uh, but like my favorite stuff is again sci-fi. So I feel like I'm right. more of like a sci-fi person, and I would even like when I have my snob hat on, I'm like I like literary sci-fi, which I don't even know if that's a <laughs> genre, but I don't know. It makes me. I feel. know what you mean, though. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. Cool, cool. I so, like yeah. literary sci-fi, but I read a lot of trash. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and everyone who talks to me for more than 10 minutes knows that for the last year I've been reading Cyborg Smut. So, like, let me, I, um, you know, not pretend like I'm above anything. <laughs> I got a box of, of, you know, sci-fi fantasy smut waiting for you. Too, yeah, so I'm good. excited. <laughs> and we have cyborgs in Black Widow, but That's there true. is no smut. No At smut. All. There's a complete because lack of smut. Even like complete. The, even the dude who was like helping her out. I was like, is this maybe a love? It no, definitely not. They're like no. friends with like no uh, sexual tension. Yeah, no. I think like maybe he's her side piece when he when she feels what? like it. But I really appreciate the lack of a love story in this movie. Like. Mm-hmm. You know, it was my biggest complaint with the Wonder Woman movies, where I was just like, this is. Sorry, New York was passing by. (laughs) So that was my biggest complaint with the Wonder Woman movies is that, one, the love story was so preposterous, but two, like her getting her fucking powers from it just infuriated me to no end, right? Mm. So like to have no love story in this at all was really refreshing where it's like, oh, it's a a story about sisterhood. (laughs) 
Right. <laughs> and I mean, the last time Marvel tried to have anything romantic with Black Widow, I just, every time I want to like punch through a screen, it's so bad. I was so offended by her, like them pulling out of nowhere, her romantic connection with the Hulk, who she basically is babysitting. Yeah. yeah. And then, like I said, like I, I, was sitting there enjoying Avengers 2 more or less. I certainly enjoyed Avengers 1 a lot. I'm sitting there enjoying Avengers 2 more or less. And then she literally, this she says on screen, I have this written down. They, uh, they sterilize you. It's efficient. One less thing to worry about. The one thing that might matter more than a mission. It makes everything easier, even killing. You still think you're only, you still think you're the only monster on the team. She says to, Hulk and oh like some people, you know, are trying to generously read it as she's talking about herself as a killer being a monster. But like, no, she's clearly framing this in context of her being sterilized and therefore a monster. And I fucking got out of my seat and screamed. Yeah. I, I like really, I mean, you know, one level, obviously it's horrible, the idea of like a bunch of women or children being sterilized. But it really is interesting to me that they make it a key factor in her character, mm-hmm. like as though someone's reproductive capability, right? Like she's capable on so many levels and this is where they're this is her like this is what's holding her back you know well you know if she doesn't if she's not able to reproduce how can she possibly love (laughs) (laughs) so yeah like after all they've done to natasha i i agree like i was like you know what i do not trust these folks to make a love story for her that i'm gonna feel good about so let's have this literally not be that and instead yeah we had a movie absolutely about sisterhood and not about like how sad she is that she can't have babies. But I, I knew. Argue, I'm sorry. I'm just mm-hmm. gonna interrupt. I would argue it's about yeah. really about chosen family, right? Like in yeah. the end, I feel like it was more than just sisterhood. Obviously, it was a buddy buddy like sister comedy or whatever action flick for the middle. Mm-hmm. But I think that once we got to the end, it was very much like a chosen family story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's just like you know one of the themes of the Avengers in general. But they just always written her in a way that made that harder because of her gender, which was ridiculous. I, yeah. you know, so w- one of the reasons I thought about reaching out to folks from abortion access front though, is because like stories with about, you know, Natasha have in the MCU have touched on being forced sterilization. And, you know, that's a reproductive justice problem. Like it's on the one hand, like, it's completely fucked up that the movies are acting like, oh my God, she's broken because she can't get knocked up. On the other hand, it is a monstrous thing to have your reproductive capacity taken away from you without your consent, which is what they're doing en masse to all of the girls in the Red Room um, program. And so I thought it'd be interesting to sort of like have people who understand reproductive justice, like, you know, really engage and talk about how that is communicated in this, this film in general and in the others. Well, and it's something that's come up in the last year even you know like in in, in the my, last uh, day or last week week or so we were just talking about it um yeah that's true but i mean uh, the bigger story that everybody you know likely saw in the news being the the ice des- detention facility in georgia that was doing forced sterilizations on people uh, sometimes mm-hmm. without their knowledge you know yeah. until after right. it was done like right But just today, there was a story also about the state of California basically paying reparations to incarcerated people, primarily black and brown women, who've been sterilized since like 1909, but as as Mm. recently as like 2010, it seemed. Yeah, Um, Jesus. And so, you know, it's like, it sounds like a crazy, weird idea, but this 
literally is happening around us right now, right? Yeah. In the Puerto Rico Strong anthology, that was a fundraiser for uh, Hurricane Maria work on Puerto Rico, there was an amazing comic in it about the history of forced sterilization of women on Puerto Rico. Um, it's really powerful. And if folks are not familiar with that story, that that uh, that piece of comics journalism is actually available online, and I recommend folks check it out. But the US government, yeah, has a legacy of forced sterilization of particularly women of color. Um, and in, in this case, it was like not it was like, you know, women going in for regular medical care, who had this done to them. Also incarcerated women, indigenous yeah. women, like, yeah. I'll, I'll, it really it's happened way too much like it should never happen but like it's so much more than people even realize yep. it's really and there's still reproductive coercion happening too in terms of like forced long-term birth control options right where like the only mm-hmm. option available is either like depo provera or or an iud when that might not be the thing that people even want you know Meanwhile, I know so many people who like straight up wanted to get their tubes tied or get a hysterectomy who are denied it because they don't want to give any young white people permanent birth control because they want to make them reproduce. I mean, we're basically talking about things um, totally rooted in white supremacy, racism, (laughs) and like, you know what I mean? This is like, that's the foundation of this country and the Mm -hmm. foundations that continue, right? Yeah. And and really, it's, it's the history of gynecology too, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of the reason that we know anything about reproduction was not necessarily about making it safer for people to have children. It was about controlling it. And now here we have an MCU movie in which women are talking about forced sterilization. And I, I was just like, this is like an amazing thing to have that happen, actually, especially after it was done so shittily in Avengers 2. I mean, every woman we meet in this movie has been sterilized mm-hmm. without yeah. consent. Every single one. Um, yeah. Which is wild, I think, when you think of it in that context, um, mm-hmm. that they made a movie full of, you know, women who could not reproduce, which just seems to be so focal and interesting for sometimes the male gaze like women who can't reproduce some somehow lose their sexuality or lose their femininity and all these women were like complete badasses and gorgeous and yeah victims but one problem i do have with it is that it implies that it's easier to be a killer if you've had your uterus taken out i feel like they said that explicitly in avengers 2 for sure (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) for sure I just didn't feel like that was I, I felt like the way that was worded in Avengers 2 was completely terrible. And I screamed at the screen. And then I felt the way that they were talked about it in this movie. It was more like they were presenting to you how this was presented to them rather mm-hmm. than them saying that it was true. Do you know what I mean? Like, it felt like they yeah. were saying they were, remo- you know, they went and they took out a uterus because they said it would mean that we wouldn't be able to. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, rather I mean, than them saying, "I feel like I'm more murderer. I'm. I feel like I'm a monster because I don't have a uterus." They're saying they did this to us because they said they didn't want us to get distracted by, right, you know, by what? female things. I actually, I completely agree with that part because I, I do think there was definitely a, oh, I mean, and and it could also be that a, fe- a feature of here is that most of the women we meet have lost their free will, right? So they're right. They're terrible. They're like these tremendous killers when they sort of can't 
make choices for their themselves. And when they can make choices, they all choose compassion, right? They get free and they yeah. come back. Right. <laughs> like, well, they, yeah, they're all empathetic characters, which yeah. is nice. It's just, it's still, you know, I had this moment too, where I was thinking about it. I was like, why are there so many stories that are just about like Russian female assassins like why is this the trope <laughs> like does every story about a russian woman need to be about her being trained from childhood to kill people because like, well, that's because they're, also... they're all based on this though i mean, I mean well not really i mean they're, okay like there was film precedent there were like james bond sort of <laughs> precedents for this but like black widow the character like going back to the comics is sort of an early example of the type and what was cool was marvel like having her become a good guy like immediately i mean marvel has one of the things about marvel that was fairly progressive if they introduced a character from another country that the u.s was quote-unquote enemies with and that people like the character they'd have them be defect and be a good guy like Mm -hmm. right away you know and so you, we have like Russian superheroes during the Cold War. I mean, they all defected and thinking about, I talked about this a bit when we covered WandaVision on the podcast earlier, but like, you know, I mean, you know, we had Black Widow is a, a Russian woman superhero who was extremely popular during the height of the Cold War, which is like kind of cool. But like she yeah. also create like she she invented the trope sort of in some ways. Back to the James Bond thing, though. Like, mm-hmm. I, I have a, a deep affinity for the original Casino Royale that everybody hates. And ah. um, and the fact that they made the Red Room, they they basically lifted the the red martial arts training room shot from the 1968 Casino Royale and recreated it in the present day made me so happy. <laughs> I'd have to watch that again. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's, that's a pretty amazing. deep cut. That's amazing. It's so dorky, but I was like, I just like threw my arms in the air and screamed, yes! Like, Jesse just pats me on the head. <laughs> that is niche. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you observed that. Wow. I mean, it's it's one of those movies I've seen a million times. And like, it, it, when thinking about planning parties around it, I was like, well, we obviously need a martial arts training room full of women. <laughs> um, I, I, it's funny because I, I do agree. I actually was going to joke like, oh, isn't Scarlett Johansson in all of them? But no, actually, I think Jennifer Lewis or Jennifer Lawrence was in the last one. Yeah. But yeah. um, which looked like the same, you know, like that part at oh, least yeah. was kind of the mm-hmm. same conceptually. One of the things that I didn't get at first or sort of perplexed me in the beginning, I was like, wait, isn't she Russian? Why do they have so many, so much diversity? Like, I, I, I will say I appreciated that they were like, oh, these women are like stolen from around the world and then brought to Russia to be trained into, you know, being fighting operatives. Yeah. Thought- and Russia is a lot more diverse than people think it is also. But also because gen- it's but- huge. <laughs> It's fucking huge, and it's part of it's in Asia. But yes. yeah, no, but it's true. There were definitely a lot of Black women, too. And I, I think one of the things that was interesting is, you know, like, we all support, like, sex worker rights. And so a lot of stories that are about trafficking, which this story is about trafficking, mm-hmm. make it be like, oh, it's all sex worker trafficking, when actually most trafficking is not sex workers. Most trafficking that happens is, like, forced labor, not 
just that it's the sex trafficking that they'd like to drum up all the attention to because they get to use it to legislate against actual sex workers and because it's like purient and they get to raise a lot of money off of it. When in reality, like most trafficking is being done for sweatshoppy type things and like forced domestic mm-hmm. labor. So I kind of thought it was interesting, like in this movie, like you have this metaphor for trafficking and it's really not framed as sex trafficking. And then as a person who's really angry at Nick Kristoff all the time, like I am, I was like, well, that's nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was nice. I mean, yeah, there was actually no, again, this movie for a movie about like kidnapped girls who are all, let's be honest, hot as fuck. It was mm-hmm. not like it did not sexualize them at all. Right. They were surrounded by these men, but there was no they they saw them as objects, definitely not as people, but it was not sexual objects. And that, again, was a little refreshing. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty surprising. Like it really is to me. Um, So, yeah, I, I, I guess we should dial back a minute. Like I I know that a lot. I know of a couple of friends, for example, who are like just hardcore Natasha Romanoff fans and have been just dying for this movie forever because they wanted to have that character like actually have her just desserts like within the Marvel universe and have sent her a movie and all that. And, you know, people's thoughts about whether the movie did that or not are, are a bit of a, a bit of a mixed bag. I, you know, I hear a lot of folks saying that they felt like it was too little too late. Other folks saying other things. I mean, how, how do you feel the movie did, did buy the character herself? Well, for me, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a little annoyed by the timeline because um, <laughs> anyone who's seen any of the, you know, most of or even just the last Avenger movie knows that, like, she's dead. So, like, it's <laughs> kind of like, OK, this is, you know what I mean? Like, OK, we jump back in time. But, like, ultimately, we sort of get to know her more, love her more. And we also know that, like, she dead. Right. I think that's yeah. a little fucked up. Like I would have liked to maybe see this when her character was alive and we could imagine a future for her with like this army of liberated women that she was in touch with and va- and f- loosely connected with um, who mm-hmm. are kind of a, who are, you know, in the shadows. Right. These women are essentially also undocumented. They don't have any papers right. like they could do whatever they wanted. And I was like, oh, such a great opportunity. But like soon after this, her character is gone. Yeah, um, so that a was a little point. frustrating for me. Um, I didn't think I'd like the movie as much as I would, though, because truthfully, of of the MCU, like the main Marvel characters, she wasn't my favorite. I wanted to like her. I always want to like the girl. Um, but mm-hmm. I always felt like there was just something about her that there was sort of a lack of richness to her character or real like humor. Everyone else had a thing that was really interesting about them. And I felt like they wrote her the the main interesting thing about her in the MCU films to me was that she was a woman, you know, I mean, she was obviously an excellent assassin. She was a wonderful interrogator. I think all of her interrogation scenes are brilliant. Amazing. (laughs) So good. You know, I like, I loved it when they sort of called back to like, right. She's always interrogating people and they just don't know it. Like Mm -hmm. that's incredible. But I feel like, um, I think I connected with every other of the like main Marvel characters so much more than I connected to her. So I don't know if I was super excited about this. I'm just a completionist. And then it happened and I was like, that was a good time. That was a fun ride. And I can't wait to watch it again. Yeah. I I think this was so much less about Natasha for me than it was about Yelena. You know, yes. like that mm-hmm. she stole the show entirely. She has so much more personality written into her. Um, it's, and, and there's, I feel like 
Natasha had to be the straight man, right? Like it's it's weird, <laughs> but <laughs> it's her movie, and and she still has to be stoic and everybody else gets to play off that and and everybody else gets to be so out there and like Mm. it it, which i really appreciated but like this was elena's movie like yeah which i guess strategically speaking they needed it to be because she's Mm -hmm. going to be the ongoing character in the marvel in the marvel universe Mm -hmm. i i mean florence Pugh was fucking amazing i enjoyed her so much i i I loved her personality and like as someone who as someone who grew up around a ton of Russian people, she also felt very Russian to me. I'm not (laughs) going to try to editorialize on people's performance as an accent. I'm simply talking about (laughs) the character's particular sense of humor, Um, just completely like dark sense of humor. alternated with bursts of enthusiasm i was like i know her because i went to high school and elementary school and like just like so many russian girls i'm like yes yeah um and i i thought the performance was wonderful i loved having her come in to editorialize about the poses that because <laughs> fans and critics have been pointing out for a long time that they keep putting you know black widow in these position in these poses to like look at my ass and let me flip my hair around and it was interesting because I, well, let me ask you guys, how did you guys feel about the movie, the way the movie had Yelena call attention to that in the script? I loved it. And in my second watching, I think it hit me even more. And I, alone on my couch, was laughing out loud. Yeah, I completely loved it. Uh, because honestly, every one of the things I like the most about a superhero movie is when it can take the piss out of itself, right? Mm-hmm. And And so when it's too earnest and it has no self-reflection it it's just it's not as human to me right and i mean i know that's an insane thing to say about a superhero movie in the first place but it's just yeah it it really does personalize it in a way where it's like okay it makes them everyday people and they need to be able to laugh at themselves you know i 100 percent agree i personally um you know, Thor is currently my favorite character, 100% because of Ragnarok. That's it. It's the yeah. only reason oh, why. Yeah. Because that his completely... first two movies, he was like, it's like, oh my God, this like invincible God person is really dumb. And the only things, and the things <laughs> that were great about the movie were people making fun of that, right? Like, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, and so I 100% agree with you, Kat, that just her, her sister taking the piss just kind of made it a human movie. And like, it was fun. I laughed so, so much at those parts. Also, she I, I was think, just so dry and irreverent, right? She was yeah. like, yeah, like she kept referencing her death, and each time it was weirdly funny. <laughs> this would be a cool way to die. <laughs> yes, this is not a cool way to die. Like, I, I love when she decides she's going to go for this, and it's just like this was fun, like that dark humor and the fatalism. I'm like, yeah, that's real as hell. And um, I literally and, feel like yeah. I have said that. <laughs> Her line of it is so fucking good. I mean, it's the performances are all really great. I, 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 I don't think this performance from Scarlett Johansson was amazing. I thought the performance from her was good. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it could have been amazing because I think they just gave her a lot less to to move. You're right. Like they positioned her almost as like the straight man to the situations, and that's mm-hmm. because they need to set up Elena, which they successfully, truly, really did. 
Um, you know, I, I do kind of think like, it, I, I, it's just harder to be enthusiastic about this movie in 2021 than it would have been 10 years ago, basically. Uh, yes. It's just harder. Yes. No, this would have blown my fucking mind 10 years ago. Like, there was <laughs> nothing like this then. And I mean, you know, the weird part is that, you know, as just sort of okay and then subsequently terrible as the Wonder Woman movies were, and then... <laughs> And then, you know, like Captain Marvel was solid, but they really paved the way for this being what it is and actually being able to be a a woman driven movie that has no love story. Right. Mm -hmm. That like all of these things would have been impossible 10 years ago. Nobody would have okayed it. Mm hmm. I feel like you guys are more enthusiastic about the movie than I am, actually. So I, which not to say I didn't like it. I, I did, but I have, there's a number of things that I'm like, eh, a oh, little bit I think about. I probably have more, more context. Like for me, my context mm-hmm. of Black Widow is literally all of the movies in the MCU where I felt like she was fine, right? I like, don't dislike Scarlett Johansson as like an actor, as a, as a person, as many people, I don't know, I follow do, but like, I don't know. Her performances are generally fine. Like they're fine. I don't, I can't, I don't know her over to be like, Oh, she was great here. Like generally she's fine. She was fine in all of them. Um, But this was, I don't know. I enjoyed this. Like, I think I rate Marvel movies by the ride. And I'm just like, this was like a fun ride. Mm-hmm. Like I sat down right. and then I laughed right. a little and I chuckled and it, I didn't have any bits of continuity that like stuck in my maw and made it uncomfortable. Like me wondering what happened here? It was consistent, relatively seamless for like the world that I've been given. Um, yeah. That's cool. And so. Yeah, I, I agree. I It was a fun ride. Um, it's obviously goofy in places, right? Like there are some giant fucking plot holes where also like falling through the the crashing helicopter to grab the parachute like that was just patently absurd but but also i'm watching this the last the last uh superhero movie i watched before this was wonder woman 84 which was straight garbage yeah and like wounds my soul Mm -hmm. like that yeah oh god what they did to that, just like, I mean, DC is just dead to me at this point. And, and that is like the chip on my shoulder of my childhood, right? Where like, those characters mm. fucking meant something to me, yeah. right? And like, it's gone. Like, I have a picture of myself as the angriest three-year-old Wonder Woman. Like, my dad forgot my golden <laughs> lasso, and I am livid, like, shooting laser beams out of my eyes, right? But like... Wait, wait, wait. Did you not like the Birds of Prey movie? You know, I like Birds of Prey, but it was also... I'm not a fan of the anti-hero. Like, okay. I, I genuinely believe that I I genuinely believe that, like, comic books are the mythology of our time. And part of that is the aspirational idea of good versus evil and being a decent person. Right. And so that like Birds of Prey was super fun. It was super well acted. Also had some giant fucking plot holes. Yeah. But <laughs> but um, but like. You know, I, I just, parts of it rubbed me. That was another movie where I was like, if this came out 10 years ago, it would have blown my mind. It would have been my favorite thing. And now, like, I have issues with it because I'm like, why does why does everybody need to like a bad guy? Why is that a good thing to aspire to? And it's not, like, the redemption story, I'm 100% there for. But it's the continued, like, well, I'm a thief. 
guess I gotta go fuck shit up just because I'm crazy. You know, I'm like, hey, <laughs> no, I, I, I hear that. For that. Also, I know I hear, that Harley I hear the Quinn is, a, is considered a superhero, but I realize I don't consider her one. Like, right. she's sort of, yeah, I think, I mean, obviously she has superpowers in some level or another to survive all the stuff she survives. But I think when I think of superheroes, I don't even, I like, it's funny because it's true when you said, what about Birds of Prey? I was like, that I didn't even consider that. A, I considered a comic book movie, but not necessarily a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, to me, Huntress is a superhero because she she's a superhero. She's a superhero who does like, kills a lot of people, you know, in the comics. But like, those people are all mobsters. But I don't know. I, I totally get where you're coming from. I was just curious because I was like, I don't know. I really did enjoy that movie a great deal. I, I think like one of my complaints, though, about Black Widow, other than the little bit late, was I thought the cinematography, the vast majority of the time was just bad. And there were moments where the art direction was good, but overall, not not you know, so hot. You know what, though? They've been doing that ever since they started pushing everything to 3D. All of the Marvel shit has been shot super flat and brightly lit so that it's easier to fake 3D or like punch it out mm. wherever they want to. And th- I've had I've had that beef with it for a long time. And, and so and then uh, by contrast, the DC movies are too dark and then uh, cut fast right. enough that you can't see anything that's happening. So dark. And, and so like 3D kind of cocked up all of superhero movies because people have this expectation that you have to put it out in 3d at some point, Mm. but like it's really ruined the way they're shot. Um, But wait, Oh God, I just had a thought. It was about, sorry, I lost my train of thought because I was going to loop back around something that I did think was shot. Well, Oh, it doesn't matter. I lost it. Was it, (laughs) was it, what was it? Um, was it the the last Thor movie? Or? Yeah, you're right. It's Ragnarok or Black That's Panther. What... Or... No, no, <laughs> it was it was Ragnarok because it was painterly, right? Like it, they mm-hmm. actually just get really complicated with the backgrounds and set up like tableaus for you instead of it. The rest of the movies really play more to being a video game, and and I think that. Ragnarok actually was about like the look of the whole film. Yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah, I can get behind that. And it, yeah, yeah. And I think you're right. They totally set up tableaus throughout Ragnarok. We saw so many more. Like, yeah, it was a variety of tableaus with some quippy, quippy dialogue between them. Oh my god! The, I mean, that was immigrant song was made for that scene and didn't know it you know like <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i was so glad and i'm like finally they did it which uh, that's been my ringtone since all, all since like it was a midi file but i was like oh, there there was like yeah. i literally just got goosebumps thinking about it that scene <laughs> makes me so happy you know and i was like this is what movies are supposed to be it's so funny because it is one of the films like you started talking about it and i immediately saw the scene thor the lightning <laughs> the like the, the bad guys on the bridge like yeah it was yeah. that was um i found in my second viewing um and this is just me i feel like it's a really specific mm-hmm. personal thing there was i know it's a black widow movie there was a lot of fighting <laughs> <laughs> and I realized that that is just a sucker criticism. But like, I was like, 
how is she doing this with the concussions that she must have mm. oh in God. this movie? And she banged her head like eight times in the first and, half of the movie. And like internal bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the only time she seemed to recover is like when she reset her own nose. <laughs> that was interesting. Satellite? I I thought the whole like him, you know, the idea that he had that the only way, the only way that you could not be susceptible to the pheromone thing would be to cut off your ability to feel something, and it not occurring to him that like actually people make the choice to cut off their ability to feel something all the time as part of a survival mechanism, <laughs> and that that was like. I, that was a moment I really loved her being like, oh, I can fucking break my nose and then I'm not going to smell you. Like, you know, I was like, oh, that's actually amazing. Because um, I, I think it's just to show like the the level of desperation that, you know, people who are being victimized, like have to to play off versus like people who are wielding power over other people. Like it doesn't occur to them the things that we have to do to survive. And she's like, oh, I know how to do that, asshole. And now you can't control me. Um. But I thought the best fight in the whole thing, though, was the fight between Natasha and Yelena when they first meet in the apartment yes. in Budapest. That yes. fight yeah. was so much more intimate yes. and brutal yeah. than any of the other fights in the whole in it, the whole thing. It was also it's, more interesting because they were definitely like trying to best each other, but not trying to kill each other. Right? The stakes were a little different because they, you know, I think everyone else, it's like I think she would have been fine, sort of like okay, as long as this is done. But they, she was like this. This is her sister, right? She doesn't want to kill her, but she also knows that she's dangerous and um, they're both very dangerous. And even the part when they're like almost choking, the end when they're like almost choking each other to death and then finally it's like, okay, well, I don't want to kill you. So I guess I got to stop. I feel like that scene owes a lot to the apartment fight in Atomic Blonde though too. Mm. You know, like it borrows a lot from it, but it is a great fight scene. I was really bummed that they they just didn't they should have had more spy-ish espionage-ish fighting and less like big explosions. A hundred percent. Like that's no know your genre, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like get a little bit more ninja about it. Also, oh my god, wait. Can we complain about Antonia for a second? Because that is a bullshit storyline. <laughs> like, oh my god. Oh, about Taskmaster? <laughs> yeah. Also like daughter? Yeah. Um, yeah, also, the fact that like the reveal was that Antonia's a girl. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't all know. Of it. it was all just... of it. And then they like, <laughs> you're programmed to kill me, but I'm gonna keep saving you even uh, though it might kill me because that proves my empathy. Like, it's really him fisted. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get that it's all about sisterhood. Nobody left behind, and we're all victims, so we should help each other up and everything. But also, like. Bitch is gonna kill you. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> You're in a satellite that's falling from the sky. Like, save yourself. <laughs> I mean, I understand her having guilt for having let a little girl die. Like, that's but different. She's than... not dead. She's there trying to kill you. Well, <laughs> she's literally there right. trying to kill you. Yeah. What What do you think about Dr- uh, Draco as sort of like a? I don't know. I feel like there's a Epstein b- vibe. There's a serious um, Weinstein oh. vibe. <laughs> like, like yeah, he fucking dresses too. like him. He has his oh, mannerisms. Oh, interesting. Um, 
Yeah, I I appreciate that. I really like the this is this is a strange thing to say. I really appreciate the fact that all of the men in the movie are either villains or buffoons. That is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> when I, I heard that, yeah. I mean, most I, of that is uh, that I just like I'm again. I'm tired of watching movies about blowhard dudes. So it's like yeah. they're just. It's like okay, cool. It's not about you. <laughs> So with the whole thing with Red Guardian, I mean, other than the really blatant fat phobia that was deeply unnecessary, yeah. you know, I, I, I think it, I think it's interesting to have sort of the whole dynamic of him like having a self mythology where he's telling everybody how he fought Captain America when that's not possible even with the sliding timeline, but like I, the idea that. Like, actually, yeah, other countries did have super soldiers um, is, I think, an important point to make. Um, I But I heard some people were like, oh, we should have uh, a spinoff with him. And I'm, are you fucking kidding me? I've, I've never heard somebody miss the point. What? More than thinking <laughs> that he should be the center of a story. I feel like we need he, should he did all the talking the center. that we need to hear from him. He did all of it yeah. Yeah. in that movie. That, we never need to hear yeah. him say another thing. Nope. That's and it was bit. a good performance. It was like, yeah. that's the whole thing. They did it. That's it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no. I don't need more of that. Ever. Um, right. Ever. I'd love to have, like, an actual great Russian superhero, but, like, that's not what he's there that's, for. Yeah. What did you guys think of the flashback sequence in the beginning and the use of American Pie? Mm. <laughs> well, so in the second viewing... <laughs> It made more sense. I don't know. I also realized in the beginning, because again, as a person who I've not read any um, Black Widow comics. So really all I have for Black Widow is like what we've seen in the in the previous mm-hmm. MC, MCU movies. And in no point did we show, we they never really showed her as a child, right? It's all just t- talking about what she did. Oh, yes. I mean, this this whole thing of her having had an undercover like fake childhood briefly in America, I believe was invented for the movie. Okay. I think it's interesting. And I I loved their conversations around like, well, it was real for me or it was always fake or I was so happy pretending that I got to have a childhood um, mm. where people were giving me gifts. I, I thought that was interesting, but that is stuff that was, you know, new. So I thought that was really interesting. And I thought it sort of made the whole thing a little heartbreaking. Like, oh, wow. Because at first I didn't get like, wait, why is their father giving them up? And then, of course, by the end you get it. So when I viewed it the second time, kind of knowing it, it was really interesting to look at the, you know, at the hints that like this family was not doing well at all. It wasn't a family. It was a front. Um, and that Natasha was aware that it was a front, but she was still enjoying it. Um, it felt a little contrived to me, but because I love a trope (laughs) and because I was just recently in a a gated community in Phoenix, which I'm convinced all gated communities are just full of people at witness protection and sleeper agents. (laughs) That that works. Yeah. But I mean, it, it did, it did very much more tie the whole narrative together with the through line of alias for me, you know, which, while Alias is terrible, I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and Alias definitely dra- actually was drawing a lot from the Black Widow comic that was coming out right before the show, I mm-hmm. think, in mm-hmm. my opinion. 
Um, so that that, that kind of makes sense to me. You know, the one thing I, this is sort of weird, but the one thing I really liked about it was the idea that the little girl was obsessed with American Pie as a song, because I think a lot of people assume that kids only like the music that's contemporary to their childhood. And that is so not true. Kids mm-hmm. get hung up on the weirdest, most random, frequently old songs. So I was like, yes, that girl in the early 90s who's obsessed with the song American Pie is so much more believable than if it was a little girl in the 90s who was obsessed with whatever the biggest hit on the radio was. Like, people don't understand that about kids. They don't remember that about kids. Now, I am really dislike that song. I have a strong dislike of it. So I'm like, please don't make me listen to this. But it was like, yeah, but that little kid would so be making you fucking do that and play the whole tape over and over again. And there was, I thought there was really great tension in that scene and her, you know, and, um, Rachel Weiss trying to direct her how to fly the plane after she gets shot. I mean, there's, I, it had a fuck ton of tension. The only thing was that the little, that girl did not look like Scarlett Johansson. Like, no. I don't know. I just, okay. Um, <laughs> um, actually, I thought that that was a boy in the beginning of the, I don't know. I was all turned around the first, my first viewing. I thought the little girl ah. was maybe Scarlett Johansson. And then, of course, the second viewing, I'm like, no, we know that Natasha's a redhead. So that was dumb. Right? Like, what's the child with the red roots? It's right. It's the Natasha child. But I I think I was just all kind of messed up. Like, I didn't understand what I was seeing the first time around, having no real context, wondering why we were in Ohio. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I I actually liked it to give her, like, a, a backstory that isn't just, like, oh, you spent your whole life in this red room, right? Like, no, there was this three years when you were doing something that's kind of weirder, but also like a little more, um, a little, an easier place for like most of us to kind of come in and be like, I know that kind of upbringing. And then Mm. for it to be switched into basically being trafficked, right? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, how did you feel about the way the, I mean, the movie sort of, showed the girls being rounded up and processed and like and portraying the whole network and it was all that. so disturbing seeing the little kids and like holding on to their um their stuffies and just these little girls like i was i don't know i sometimes have a little too much empathy and i was just imagining the trauma of like just taking children and treating them like objects it really kind of hurt my heart a little bit even though i knew i was looking at a movie i just well the whole point is to make you have feelings so never apologize for that also like know? i just don't watch movies rated above pg-13 because i don't have the stomach for it unless you can prove to me that it's about smut i can watch sex for days <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no i mean like you're supposed to make you feel that i think to me that was the, i think the thing that for me separates this for, like, you know i i'm glad i watched that movie i enjoyed it but i don't feel like i had as strong of a as strong of an emotional response to it as I had to the, the the last Thor movie or to Captain Marvel or to Black Panther. And I'm, I wasn't, I didn't expect that I would, frankly, anyway, but like, I didn't. Even though I think, like I said, like, I love that there's a movie about trafficking that isn't like about sexualized, titillating, you know, like white women and sex slavery. Like, good, good on you movie for not fucking falling for that shit. But I don't know. I mean, again, I'm glad I watched it, but... I didn't love it, if that makes sense. It's so interesting because that's how I felt about Captain Marvel. I like, mm. I liked it. I'm glad I saw it. I thought it was, you know, visually interesting. I think she's just too powerful. 
right? Captain Marvel's just mm, too powerful. There's no vulnerability. I'm weird. Like, I, I'm like, oh, I don't care about her. I just care about the scrolls. Like, I have so many oh, feelings okay. about the scrolls. <laughs> okay. like, I, folks, I'm not going to make <laughs> listeners. If you want to hear me talk about scrolls, I've got, I've written about it for the Daily Beast. I have a whole podcast, my whole podcast about Captain Marvel. I talk about it a lot. But, but yeah, no, and I do, don't get me wrong, I, I do like Captain Marvel, but for me, so much of that was Okay, yeah, because I was just like, anyway, at the uh, end, when she was literally just flying through, like, battleships, I was like, what can't she do? <laughs> like, I mean, I have it, you know. Which is yeah. how I felt about early Thor, right? Sometimes it's just mm. too much, right? Like, right, uh, right. If, if there's nothing at stake, right? If you can just fly through a plane, then, like, where where's the point where I can like get in and sort of empathize with your journey. And I think that's one of the things people love about black widow is that she, I mean, she has superpowers, but they're much more limited Mm -hmm. than, you know, a God or anything like that. Um, She's like a super tough person basically. Yes. And I think in some ways people really connect to that because it feels like something they can be, even though like we really couldn't, actually do that it's still not like being the hulk or no, something but it was like it was cool like elena was like uh you, well, i bet you thor doesn't need an ibuprofen and i'm like you're reminding us that fundamentally she's a human being who's just yeah. really good at what she does <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. i love the moments where they get to really just talk and be human like i adore Yelena talking about this is the first piece of clothing that I bought for myself and I really love it and look at all the pockets it has and how adorable she was and how much I was like that's so real because that totally would be what that character would first buy for herself she would be like I want to get this cool tactical vest with all of these pockets mm-hmm. yeah and I just really wanted to hug her so much the vest is my favorite like sea story of the whole thing I'm just like the vest <laughs> Oh my god, I understand. I also love pockets. <laughs> I'm like, they're gonna sell that. I know they're gonna sell that. I'll buy that. Um, I did have some questions while we're on wardrobe for a minute. Why were they in white outfits? I was confused. Because they went to Siberia to get them out of, okay. out of jail. Even though they're never in the snow, they're in a helicopter going over snow. In matching white outfits. <laughs> yes. I was just like, this is interesting that they got this. Where do you get these outfits? It's a very it's specific snow, ice cream. Okay. Snow camo. Got it. Okay. For your, for your helicopter What did you journeys? think about the reveal that like... Um, Oh my god, I'm forgetting Rachel Weiss's character's name. But that Rachel Weiss's character and Scarlett Johansson's character had like basically face swapped for the point of like as part of their infiltration scheme. I don't know. I mean, uh. <laughs> I knew that there was some sort of switcheroo happening. I just couldn't figure out where it was. That was not what I expected, but also I don't know. It was a weird sort of gotcha. It was I think that whole everything that happened in that room was a little bit not altogether anticlimactic but somewhat anticlimactic for me like the antonio reveal happened there the face swapping happened there um i i think that's kind of where parts of the movie fell apart for me Mm -hmm. yeah also like you know the inevitable map of all of the points all over the globe but at some point i feel like they said that there were like you know, a few hundred or something, but then there's like thousands. Then there's like, it's just endless widows everywhere. I'm like, okay, come on. And it's all controlled from my magic iPad. Like, fuck off. You know? Yeah. I wanted to know, like, what is he controlling them to do? Because I want, 
I want the crimes of the wealthy and powerful to be explicit and clear. And I feel like sometimes when you're sort of eliding over it, you're actually not making as strong of a connection between the evils that men do and the evils that these villains are doing on the screen. So obviously we know what he's, I mean, he's, he's trafficking girls. That's evil, but I want to, is he to, to what end, you know, or is he using them to kill indigenous people who are protecting their lands from oil drilling? Like what are the things he's having? Is he them selling do? them to I the highest that. bidder? Cause it also didn't like, seem like yeah. he was anyone else knew, right? There was very much a sense that like, not only was he doing what he's doing, he was the single mastermind. He wasn't, in conversation with anyone else. Um, mm-hmm. I think for me personally, it was enough that he was stealing the free will of like, you know, hundreds or thousands, who knows, of like, <laughs> of of women. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's villain enough. I'm just saying that like, he wasn't just doing that for that. Like the, his whole thing is he's like, I, he was, you know, he's using them. But like, what is he like, what is he? He's saying I'm controlling this power and I'm like the, the power to, to do <laughs> and like, to I, kill I, I, people. But, uh, but, but, but for why? People. No, I understand it, but for why? Secrets. <laughs> also, right. again, I, I also forget Rachel Weiss's character, but at the point where they're they're having their family reunion, she's like, the world works better when it's under one person's control. And then literally in less than 10 minutes, she's like, wear my face, shut it down. I was like, that was a really mm. fast conversion. Because um, mm-hmm. she didn't seem appalled, right? Like she was bragging about what was happening. She clearly had no idea, even though she'd also been a victim. There was something about that w- that was yeah. weirdly inconsistent in her character. And also like, I, uh, yeah, either she was like a victim and was somewhat brainwashed or she kind of knew it was bad, but didn't care. Or she fully supported and was the partner of this man until she changed her mind in 10 minutes. That was actually for me, one of the bigger plot holes in terms of like yeah. how, Same. how that happened. Like, yeah. And I really like her as an actress a lot. Oh God, but, I love mm-hmm. her. But yeah, um, yeah that was just, it was, written badly and and they really like had her behave so robotically that it was not uh, it was not relatable at all like any part of her decision making process yeah. I was like okay and there was no <laughs> visible evolution right like if there was any evolution it literally happened in like 10 minutes in the time of the movie right it was like it 10 happened minutes. in the closet it you know? right <laughs> where the bad guy was already on his way mm-hmm. <laughs> like Okay, I don't know, you know, uh, what's his name tells us that like, she's the mastermind, she created this technology. And then she totally just turns her back on it in a closet in 10 minutes with her sort of adopted fake, fake adopted family. I don't know. That was also she also she doesn't want to take any of that technology with her. Like she's not going to like continue her work somewhere else. She's just like, yeah, yeah. peace. Also, what about the pigs? <laughs> yeah. What's going on with the pigs? What are I they know. doing? What are the pigs yeah. doing? Oh, those poor robot pigs. I don't know. And we're we're never going to not worry no. about them. No. You know, like you, you can't expect the audience no. to not be concerned. When that poor little piggy man was was choking, I was like, I feel so much compassion for you. And she, so you know? and I think that's what I'm talking about. Not only did I feel compassion for the pig, her lack of compassion was stunning. She was like, I had 11 yeah. seconds. Like there was a there was a complete lack of compassion. That again, I mean, they were setting us up to expect her to betray that, like, so that Gwen, we're, but when we think she's betrayed us, but when the show, when the movie makes us think that we've betrayed, that she's betrayed her, her found family, so to speak, one of the reasons why we believe it is because we've seen her be so callous to the pigs. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And we've heard her quote unquote political philosophy also, as well. So she turned them in. <laughs> she said, I mean, but she did. I, I mean, no, she said, I, I told him think... that you're here or I, like they're on their way. Yeah, yeah. But I think that she had to do that to get them on the satellite. All, otherwise, how the fuck are the four of them getting on the satellite? True. Unless they come and get rounded up and get brought to it and then switch a route, blah, blah, blah. But but also, like, I literally did not realize they were on a satellite until they were falling out of the sky. <laughs> like, also, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, she does say it, but it literally is just a line. <laughs> it's like, this is how he stays out of the way, up in the clouds or something like that. And then right. there we are. And it literally, like, if you looked away, if you drank your water too loudly, you would totally miss it. Um, also, just to go back to style and stuff, I also was personally distracted and somewhat offended by all the weird braid choices that the um, stylist made. I didn't um, understand it. See, honestly, <laughs> Rachel Weiss's braids were basically my pandemic hairdo. <laughs> oh, totally. I know. I was going to say, like, Kat, I think I've seen you wear that look. So, so um, I didn't hate those, but Black Widow just had two braids with no non with nonsense on the side of her head for a long oh, yeah. lot of the movie. Like she's just going to Sundance or something. Like, but like not even trying yeah. to look cute. It really is just like no. It's like she has a young sibling who like braided her hair and then was like, "We're <laughs> done." And she was like, "Great." I don't know. There were a lot of braid choices. The friend that I watched it with, both of us spent half the movie saying, "What's going on with the hair?" I don't know. Well, it's a Russian <laughs> thing. Maybe. I mean, those are like the hairstyles that your mom does for you. Um, so I think as part of them trying to show the familiar, they do not. I know, but like they're trying to. I mean, I'm not saying it's the believable, but I know why they went for that. She's been living in New York for the last decade, but okay. (laughs) And she's going to let her. She's going to let her sister do that. You know. (laughs) So let's talk about where the movie ends in terms of you guys all saw the post credit sequence. Um, For. For folks who are unfamiliar, basically, we get the Contessa Allegra de Fontaine showing up as um, Elena visits her sister's grave with the dog, very sweet doggy, as she always said she wanted. And then it's just like, you're going to come and work on my team. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, let that poor girl have a fun time with her dog. Leave her alone. Let her have a life. Do not recruit. Do not recruit her for the Thunderbolts, for God's sakes. For folks who don't know what I'm talking about, the Thunderbolts are the Marvel version of the Suicide Squad. So, like, while I'm not saying 100% this is exactly what this is, like, basically, yeah, ha- having, this is this is the character who's played by... Julia uh, Louis-Dreyfus. I almost said Elaine Benesis. <laughs> Elaine Benesis. Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Um, you know, in the comics, she is an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and has fabulous jumpsuits. Good God. Go, guys, go Google to see how she's drawn by Jim Steranko. Jim Steranko drawing the Contessa de Allegra de Fontaine is amazing. Um, but anyway, but in this, it's clear to me that she's putting together a Thunderbolts team, which is basically villains controlled by the government to do their dirty work. And by the way, it's basically the Suicide Squad because the government wants to be able to pretend that they didn't have anything to do with it. And that's totally wet works. You do not want this in your life. It's a bad thing. And so now I'm just really sad because I want Yolanda to be able to go and have fun with her doggy. So, but I guess this is how she stays in the movie series. So <laughs> I didn't understand that. And I I did watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And she showed up there with the weird right. with the weird cap, um, the murderous cap. And um, fascist cap, <laughs> fascist yeah. cap, and um, 
And I didn't understand this. I also want to say I'm not a comic book reader, but my partner is an avid comic book reader. So a lot of times he tries to explain this stuff to me and I in one ear and out the other. So, but I did, I feel like it wasn't hard to get that. Like Contessa has, uh, she's written hilariously. Uh, she talks really fast, performed really well, I think by Julia Louise Dreyfus. And also I have no idea what she's doing. I didn't even know what the Thunderbolts (laughs) were. Um, it was right. Well, you wouldn't know, like you're not supposed to know. I'm just spoiling everything for everyone. Um, I I love the characterization they're giving her in this, which is different than it is in the different than it is in the comics, but I think it's great. Like, I applaud this pivot, you know? It's, like, fun but, and irreverent. I really, like, she talks too fast, and she's, like, clearly, like, half-joking, but also, like, feels a little insane, but also, like, she knows what she's talking about. It's weird. I enjoy it. I, I really enjoy the two times I've seen her show up. So, I didn't know anything about the Contessa at all, but Starenko X-Men, like kind of shape my sexuality so i'm I'm gonna go back and check that out (laughs) interesting yes yes he he really was like for for like four issues i'm gonna make everything look really fucking cool and then the series is canceled um so yeah this is all from his uh nick fury agent of shield stuff a small portion of which is on um marvel unlimited and um But, like, there's a one-page sequence of her with Nick Fury that's a silent page that if you just Google it, like, it's on the internet. It's wonderful cartooning. Um, Do not read any of Jim Steranko's political opinions because they're bad and he should stop. (laughs) I mean, I I, I learned, yeah, I'm just, I'm not going to talk shit about people. (laughs) (laughs) I assume the worst of so many people at this point that I'm like, never meet your heroes, you know, like. Uh. That is true. But yeah, but he just truly a genius cartoonist who brought so much to the medium. Um, so yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, it's, like, it's, like, I know why they have to do this with a character because this is how she stays in the movies, but I can't help but be a little bit sad even though I know that's silly. It also I feels guess, like um, the way, because I didn't get this description before, so it also feels like, oh, poor thing, she's jumping out of the, you know what I mean? Out of the frying pan into the fire, right? Like it sounds like... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I do remember what yeah. you know, I saw Suicide Squad. I know how that goes. It's not very nice for her. Exactly. Anyone. It's going to be worse for her than if she was in the Avengers. That's the thing. Right. Like, if she's going to be a superhero, she deserves to be in the Avengers and, like, does not deserve to have to be doing wet work stuff for the government that's actually evil. Like, that's not, that makes me sad. With evil but it's very believable. But it's very, but it's very believable that someone who'd been manipulated for so long and then who only had the ability to make her own decisions very briefly would be easy to, uh, you know, pressure into doing that. It's very believable. Oh, absolutely. And I was glad to see somebody at Natasha's grave because, like, the movies didn't seem to think we'd care. At all. The other movies. We got a whole yeah. 20 yeah. minutes of, of Tony Stark's funeral. We literally oh get barely a nod at the fact that, like, Natasha didn't, she, she's just like, she didn't come back. And that's it. And let's be real. Tony, Tony Stark peaked in that cave. Shirtless welding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. No, Iron Man One was the best of those for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so what? What is next? What's up? What's up with Abortion Access Front? For folks who are not familiar with your organization, tell us a little bit about what you do. Oh my gosh. Well, we are like a cross between the USO and Habitats for Humanity for independent abortion clinics. Um, And when we're not on the road helping people, we, which is most of the last year and a half, um, we create a whole bunch of 
pop culture media to inform people and entertain them and get them more invested in being activists and caring about the world around them. Um, But Moji can tell you a little bit more about the show we are launching this fall. Yeah, it's super exciting. We are launching. So we have um, a sister org um, that we all volunteer on. And one of my projects there is... um, is I'm part of our podcast trio. We have a trio that podcasts and we usually, one of the things we've discovered is that um, there is very little journalism that addresses what's going on in the landscape of abortion rights and rights being taken away in this country. It's really disturbing how little you hear. Um, we do a review every day and a lot of times what you see is journalism in small regional magazines or newspapers that um, you're not going to see unless you're looking for it. So in our podcast, we like to talk about this and just bring people's attention. Like this is what's happening in Ohio. This is what's happening in Texas. Uh, spoiler alert. It's always happening in Texas. Um, so we've mm-hmm. been doing this podcast for some time and we are um, converting it to a video. I'm sorry, a YouTube show um, called feminist buzz kills live which will be really exciting. <laughs> and we're going to continue talking about the news, the the world of abortion news that um, no one is hearing about. We're going to have some fun guests, a little bit of comedy, um, just like a, a quick fun hit so that you know what's going on with the abortion news. And also you're like not as bored and overwhelmed as, well, it's not boring, but as overwhelmed as we can sometimes feel digesting it. We're going to try to spit it back at you in a way that's fun and exciting, engaging, and it also gives you an idea of what you can do to fight back. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty yeah. exciting. So we'll be launching Feminist Buzz Kills Live weekly on YouTube in uh, late October, and it will also be coming out as a podcast. Cool. Yeah, I mean... You know, this is an issue that's so personal for so many people, like our lives would have been so circumscribed and shitty if we don't have access to abortion and if we don't have access to birth control. And like the fact that current birth control options are not great is also really shitty and makes me angry. And I could go on all day about how much that sucks. But um you know, like, I'm so glad that there's organizations that are like completely unapologetic about the fact that abortion is healthcare and it's necessary and it's not a tragedy. Like it's a medical procedure that a fuck ton of people are extremely thankful to be able to have so that their lives won't get ruined. And that also, you know, is about fighting for reproductive justice. So people who want to procreate at that time can also do that, you know, like reproductive justice is not, is about the freedom to make a choice for yourself exactly. and not have the government take away your ability to make that choice for yourself, whether you want to have babies now or later or never, like let, us have those choices yep i want to jump in not just the government anyone right like (laughs) right not that person you happen to be fucking not that person you happen to have married not that person on the corner who just sees you walking into a clinic like none of those people have any say in your reproductive rights and choices and that's what reproductive justice is Mm -hmm. so where can our listeners follow you guys individually on social media if you're active there in a way that you'd want people to follow you I'm at Spy Girl Picks, P-I-X, on all the platforms. I cool. am Mojilocks, M-O-J-I-L-O-C-K-S, on all the platforms. But spoiler alert, there's not much to see there. I'm really boring about posting. But you can keep up on what's happening with Abortion Access Front at Abortion X. Abortion Front? 
um, at most places. It's just at abortion front at most places. And you'll know when Feminist Buzzkill Live is launching. Um, You will also get daily doses and snippets of what's happening in the landscape of abortion in this country. Um, And it's worthwhile. But if you want to follow me on Moji Locks, come, come by. I'll let you in. And as for me, I'm on Twitter a little bit too much at E-L-A-N-A underscore Brooklyn. That's Elana underscore Brooklyn. Yes, there are more episodes of Deep Space Dive, our Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast forthcoming. Uh, And I also just recorded an amazing interview with Evan Narciss, who's an amazing comics writer and critic. I cannot wait for you guys to hear that as well. Um, And uh, graphicpolicy.com, you know, that's the comic site that we are affiliated with because it's an awesome site run by awesome left-wing people who care about comics in the world, and you should go there to get your comics news. And as we like to say, keep it geeky.